Yes, yes, here we go. It is the Chief Stone Podcast. My name is Farzi Vasuya and your host of the Chief Stone Podcast. Appreciate all of you guys once again for downloading and listening to another episode. Hope you guys enjoyed last week's episode. Well, technically not last week, but right before the weekend. Uh, the longest podcast we've ever done. Never done a two-hour podcast before. If you haven't, feel free to check it out when you get a chance. A lot to uncover, of course, with Kansas City's NFL uh, schedule coming out. And, of course, did the full Chiefs mock draft. So if you haven't checked it out, go listen to that. Uh, a lot of you guys have been asking me, who, who do I think the Chiefs are going to take with their picks? Are they going to go defensive heavy, offensive heavy? Uh, what do they do with that first pick, uh, 54th overall? Well, I answer all of those questions on that episode. So check it out when you get a chance, if you haven't already. This episode going to be a much shorter episode, I promise you that. Uh, going to talk a little bit about uh, actually one of the uh, newer Chiefs. We did not get a chance to touch on this last podcast because of all the topics we had for last week's episode. So we'll talk a little bit about that and the possible impact it could have and maybe already has made. Uh, and uh, just the perspective that Chiefs fans have looking in on this as well as the media. So I'll touch on that later on. I'll preview the NFL draft. Not a full-blown preview necessarily uh you'd be aware of that i, I want to look at the quarterbacks because i think there's going to be a quarterback comparison that'll be made quite a lot this year with patrick mahomes uh because this is his redshirt rookie year that's what i've been saying about him and i think his numbers uh people are going to compare his numbers to some of the people he was drafted in his draft class as well as some of those that are be that are going to be drafted this year and playing because uh, this is Mahomes' first full season, and some of the guys, Sam Darnold, Josh Allen, maybe a couple other guys, maybe they also play a full season in 2018. So those numbers might be compared quite a bit this year. And then we'll look at some of the teams from the AFC West and what they are going to do. And one trade that involves an AFC West team, at least a projected trade, that could shake up the entire NFL draft. I'll tell you which team is expected to trade down and what they'd be getting in return is, is a pretty good deal and you can't blame them for going this route. We'll talk about that later on. Plus, one former NFL player and a former chief taking a lot of heat for a post, uh, a photo he submitted on social media. I'll talk about that as well. Later on in the podcast. If you guys want to talk to me, Facebook.com slash Farzine Vesugian, Twitter.com slash Farzine21. Like and follow me on Facebook, follow me on Twitter, and you guys can email me as well, Farzine at Farzine This is going to be the only episode of the Chiefstone podcast this week. The only way I will do a podcast on Friday morning or have one released by Friday morning is if the Chiefs were to trade up and pick up somebody. In the first round. And if they do that, I'll do a Facebook Live video right then and there, uh, right after the pick is made. Uh, but if not, don't expect the Facebook Live and don't expect an episode uh, after the first round. And instead, we'll just wait until the entire draft is over and then we'll recap that and that'll be out uh, by Sunday morning. So a lot to get into this week. A couple of episodes and then next week we'll also have a couple of episodes again released on Tuesday and another released on Thursday. So a lot of episodes coming up in the next couple of weeks. So stay tuned. Going to be a lot of fun and a lot to 
unfold uh, with the NFL draft. Of course, a lot uh, we can talk about. And we'll know a lot about Kansas City's roster and really what they think. Um, Here's the thing about the draft, and I'll get into this later. You never know what a team is thinking. And what I mean is, let's... uh, For example, everyone's expecting... This to be a defensive heavy draft. And I and I agree. I, that's what I'm expecting too. But that's that's the thing right there. We're expecting one thing, and we think that we know how the Chiefs feel about all this. The Chiefs front office, Brett Veach, Andy Reid, Mark Donovan, all the, all those guys involved in all of this. Here's the thing. A lot of times we think and listen, we're, 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 when you when you listen to Sports talk radio, or you're you're reading a, a, a mock draft or a columnist, and they're making their predictions. It's simply a prediction. No one is expected to go 100 percent on all these picks here. It is a very difficult thing to predict. In fact, I would say this is actually more difficult than an NCAA bracket. I mean, at least with the bracket, you know who's already good, who's not. Yeah, sure, you get some upsets here and there, and some surprise teams, but. With an NFL mock draft, uh, you see one team do something that'll completely screw up another team's plan and they want to go in a completely different direction. All these trades are made. So it's never easy to predict these mock drafts. With that said, a lot of us, we think, we, we try to go into the minds of Brett Veach and the rest of this front office and we think we know what they're thinking. We think it's going to be a defensive heavy draft, but at the same time, we we could be in for a surprise here. Just when we think that maybe nose tackle, inside linebacker, and safety and cornerback are the top needs for the Chiefs, well, maybe there's something that they know that we don't. Uh, for example, the running back situation, and that's actually something I'm, I'm going to get into in just a moment, but uh, a lot of people think that the, the running backs are set when they're actually really not. Uh, I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, there's a signing the Chiefs made, and it's starting to uh, make some people wonder what, what's going on with that position. And that I'll touch on soon. My point is, if the Chiefs don't go defense with that 54th pick, and if they go offense, I can already see it coming with social media these days. You, you know how things will unfold. Everyone's going to go crazy and start questioning Brett Veach's moves, wanting him fired because he traded Marcus Peters, and now he's going defense. I can I can see the I can see the panic button being hit already. My whole point here is just be open minded with everything that not just the Chiefs, all NFL teams. I know most of you guys listening probably only care about what the Chiefs are going to do. This week, and that's certainly fine. Uh, you're more than welcome to, to care or not care about whatever you want. But at the end of the day, this Chiefs team, they're going to address positions that they think they need to improve on. Not what we think. And again, I, I, I'm bringing this up right now. And I've touched on this a couple of times before. What we think and what we know is not the same as the front office. We think we know what they're thinking, but we we never do. Uh, I think an, uh, another good example of when we could discuss this kind of topic would be during training camp when 
we get closer and closer to the roster cuts. We think certain players have a job secured, ready to go. Uh, and next thing you know, that certain player, maybe a couple of those players, end up getting cut by the Chiefs, and a couple of guys who we did not like in the preseason end up getting selected, uh, or end up being, uh, end up staying, and become part of the 53-man roster. So, fans always think they know, and look, I'm guilty of this too. I'm not. I'm not saying it's it's it's. Not me. It's certainly. I'm certainly a bit. And we, we've got to make a guess, though. We can't just. Uh, ESPN put out a projection saying the Chiefs are going to go nine and seven. I asked you guys if you agree or disagree, and a couple of people responded saying, "Well, I'll wait uh, after the preseason to uh, make my uh, win loss guess." I mean, come on, look. You've got to. You've got to make your predictions early. You can adjust them as we go and say, "Well, I don't think this is going to happen. Maybe they." End up winning this amount of games or fewer games, whatnot. Uh, but everyone's got to make a guess here. Uh, we're always going to look at this and we're going to wonder what teams are going to do. And in the Chiefs' case, with everyone expecting a defensive-heavy draft, I would say slow down on that. Especially when you don't know who's going to be available by the 54th pick. There are going to be 53, others, uh, 53 other players selected by then. So it's, it's never... Uh, you, you never... Plan for these kinds of things. Dana White of, of the UFC says it best. You never predict too far into the future or even in the near future uh, uh, until certain things are already over with. Now, in terms of fight making, that is for future events. And, and this is a similar case here. You don't just assume that, that, that you're going to pick a defensive guy. Maybe a lot of defensive guys, uh, good quality defensive guys are gone by the 54th pick. And maybe the Top five best available players by the time the Chiefs are on the clock are all offensive players. So what do you do? Do you make a trade or do you keep that 54th pick and do you go on a, 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 go on offense? Pick a guy from the offensive side on your draft board. Uh, or, or do you just say, hey, look, we'll keep this pick and we'll pick someone who may not be worthy of going 54th overall, but we'll take him anyway. That is one thing to consider this week when you watch the NFL draft. Now, I also want to talk about something that I've been uh, getting a lot of heat for on social media, and that is the schedule complaint. I, I wrote a post on social media saying that Chiefs fans need to stop complaining about how the team only has one primetime game at home in 2018 when their four others are on the road. A lot of people are angry about the uh, about the schedule, saying that Chiefs are starting both of their uh, first two games on the road. They don't have a primetime game at home. They're visiting the Patriots again. Let me just say this first. Uh, first of all, with who the Chiefs are visiting and who they're not visiting, who they play at home, who they play on the road, that's not up to the NFL. The NFL doesn't decide that. The NFL already has a rotation set in. So, in other words, even though we're more than a year away from the 2019 regular season, we already know 14 of the 16 opponents for 2019. The only thing, the only things we don't know is who we play from the AFC South and who we play from the AFC East. And that all depends on if the Chiefs win the AFC West, if they finish in first place, then we play the first place winner of the South and the East. So it's very likely, folks, that the Chiefs are going to visit the Patriots for three straight years. I'm sure you guys remember from the end of the last decade and the early parts of this decade, for 
six years, six consecutive years, the Chiefs played the Buffalo Bills. Most of those games were at Arrowhead. A lot of people were unsure why is it that this always keeps happening. Well, it's not the NFL putting this matchup together. It's the Chiefs and the Bills. Either the AFC West and AFC East are playing each other or the Chiefs and Bills continue Every, continue to finish in the same spot. And they both teams were bad for quite some time. Chiefs have gotten a lot better. Bills, still a mediocre football team. But but you guys get the idea here that the opponents are not created by the NFL. The divisions, the, the, the whole schedule is already created. The divisions you play, obviously you play your rivals twice a year. You play... One division from your own conference, and then you play one division opposite of your conference. And then the other two divisions that you don't even uh, compete with, you'll just play the team that you had the same placement. So essentially, the the teams themselves are actually selecting which teams they play, and that's only two games right there they're deciding. So uh, I just wanted to get that out of the way with the whole Patriots thing. As far as the uh, the, the complaint with primetime... Look, the Chiefs got six primetime games in 2016, more than any other team. They're scheduled to play five in 2018. That's tied with nine other teams for the most. And here's how... I wrote this on Arrowhead Addict, if you haven't checked it out. Go look at it, arrowheadaddict.com. I mentioned that the NFL thinks highly of the Chiefs. One reason is they're giving them five primetime games tied for the most this year. The other thing is they're giving them primetime games in December. One of them is on a Thursday night game against the Chargers. And the following, that's a week 15 game. In week 16, the Chiefs are visiting the Seahawks on Sunday night. And that's back-to-back primetime games that the Chiefs are involved in. The NFL doesn't give... Back-to-back primetime games to the Cleveland Browns. Or, uh, hell, I, I made this mistake earlier. I said that the uh, Jaguars were AFC runner-ups. I made it, uh, or excuse, I said the Titans were AFC runner-ups. I apologize. I meant to say the Jaguars. They have two night primetime games. And then they sacrificed a, a home game for the International Series. And that's a morning game. Technically, that's primetime, I guess. Because it's a nationwide, it's going to be a nationwide audience. Uh, but not necessarily, I mean, let's be honest, people in, uh, the West Coast are not going to wake up really early in the morning to catch a Jaguars game, uh, that's in London. And with all due respect, I, they were obviously made it to, they were obviously the best team in the AFC, not named the New England Patriots. And no one ever thought that we'd say that with Jaguars one year ago today. So you got to give them credit there, but the NFL is not giving them a lot of love with the primetime schedules. And people are saying that the Chiefs are starting their first two games on the road. The Patriots start two of their first three away. Steelers start two of their first three away, as are the Titans who beat the Chiefs in the playoffs. Um, The Falcons, they start a game on the road for the NFL kickoff game. Then they get three straight games at home in their first four weeks. Okay, that's favorable, but I don't think the NFL does that intentionally. Uh, I mean, look, if you want to uh, favor uh, a, a team with their schedule, I think you've got to do it to one of the more popular teams out there, like uh, like the Seahawks, the Jets, the Cowboys, the Patriots. Um, 
Because the Falcons are, of course, they're even though it's a road game in Week One, to be recognized as one of the two teams on for the kickoff game, that's pretty cool. I mean, look at the Chiefs last year. Uh, a lot of Chiefs fans were nervous for that game, but look how that turned out. Uh, certainly would not change anything about that. Sure, maybe at Arrowhead, but the whole storyline of beating them during their banner night—that I mean, that 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 doesn't happen to the Patriots. So that was pretty cool to see. Of course, here's my point here with all this. Because I can, I looked up several other schedules. No one's getting any sort of favorite favorite here. By the way, the Seahawks, they start their first two games on the road. And they've been a fairly more relevant team than the Chiefs recently. They, they've been to two Super Bowls in recent memory. Back-to-back Super Bowls, that is. So for people who want to complain about the scheduling, and I've mentioned this before, you got to consider the logistics here. Arrowhead and, and, and Kaufman, they share a parking lot. So you've got to make sure you're not conflicting, uh, you know, any, any, any schedule t- times here with Royals games. The Oakland Raiders, you've got to make sure that the Oakland Athletics and the Raiders aren't, I mean, their times are not going to interfere together. Uh, by the time the NBA, it's possible that the Raiders keep playing in the Athletics Maybe they get to the World Series and they keep playing in late October or November. I don't know when the World Series is expected to end or if they have a date for that necessarily at this point. Um, but the Golden State Warriors, when their schedule comes out, the NBA has got to be aware because even though the Warriors don't play in the same venue, they actually do share the same parking lot. They're all right next to each other. Oh, well, the A's and the Raiders are in the same place, but the Warriors are, are just right next door. And they share the same parking lot similar to the Truman Sports Complex. You've just got to be aware that you, there are a lot of logistics that go in here. Okay, well, I, I, this is, I mean, your head's going to hurt if you really think hard about it. But if a team cannot play the Chiefs in week two because the Royals, and I, by the way, I, I don't know exactly when the Royals play at home and, and whatnot. But let's just say the Royals do play at Kaufman when we have... Week two, Sunday week two games, you can't put the Chiefs there unless you have the Chiefs on a Monday night football and the Royals are gone already by uh, the next day. So you've got to make sure the Chiefs are playing a road game. And, and there are other... You've got to f- find out who can they play on the road. Uh, for example, they can't go play the Raiders because the Raiders also... Uh, or excuse me, the Athletics have a Sunday home game. So Chiefs and Raiders are not an option in week two. That's just one tiny example, and that's a part of the example. If I go into detail with all of this, you know, because there are a lot of teams out there that are either sharing stadiums or they're neighbors with another stadium. And I mentioned this before: the Chargers are sharing a soccer stadium with another team. The the Chiefs used to share a stadium with the Wizards, now Sporting KC. We used to have three teams at the uh, Truman Sports Complex. I think people forget about that sometimes. So there are a lot of things that. We need to take into consideration as to why uh, we are seeing teams play their first two games on the road. I do believe, and I cannot remember the name of the Seattle team. I know they're a very popular team. They wear green. I I think Xbox 360 used to be a sponsor of theirs. Um, I don't know if they still do, but I do remember... MLS soccer games being played in Seattle. So maybe Seattle has to play 
on the road early because their soccer team, assuming they still play at the same stadium as the Seahawks, and I'm not going to bother looking into this. That's not the point. Maybe they're playing home game. You guys get the idea. Those kinds of things have to be considered. Now, again, I don't think the Royals have uh, back-to-back weekends, uh, back-to-back Sundays at home in September. So people might say, well, why couldn't that happen? It may- Maybe it just happens that uh, they've got to put it the other way around where maybe the Chiefs have to play this team by this point because of certain logistics that they share with an NBA team later on. Again, I don't know. The NFL does not do this intentionally to screw teams over. I don't think NFL teams play three consecutive road games, but they will give three consecutive home games. The Chiefs have had three consecutive home games before. Sometimes they've won them all. Sometimes they've lost them all. Sometimes they they, they split them uh, two and one or one and two. Here's my point with with all of this. Stop panicking and stop pretending to be so angry about the schedule and about home games and uh, primetime home games during the the warm part of the season. At the end of the day, and we can all, every single person listening will agree that Chiefs fans are great and that Arrowhead's the loudest stadium in the NFL. Well, well that, that second part is a fact. If we want to talk about how great of a home field advantage Arrowhead is, then why is it that the Chiefs lost back-to-back home uh, home games in the playoffs in 2016 and 2017? And I don't mean to ask that question in an offensive way to piss off Chiefs fans. That's just the truth. If you want to sit here and make a case as to why the Chiefs deserve home games at certain dates... Listen, we can sit here and talk about how great of a home field advantage Arrowhead provides. That has not been the case in the playoffs the last two years. So everyone's point about the Chiefs not getting a playoff game, or excuse me, a primetime game early in the season at home, the easy... Response to that is, look at the home games they play in January against the Steelers and the Titans. So, I urge you guys, please. Like, this is worse than fans complaining about power rankings. That mean absolutely nothing. At the end of the day, all 16 NFL teams are going to play 8 home games and eight away games, and there will be a couple neutral side games. The Chiefs are involved in one of those this year as they're going to play the Rams, a home team in Mexico. So, again, it's not like this is the NFL intentionally trying to screw over another team. I don't know. I I, I think some fans look way too much into these things when, at the end of the day, I think people are forgetting... Every single team, and again, yes, a couple neutral site games for a couple teams. Everyone has eight home games, and everyone has eight away games. Nobody has a true big advantage over another team. And I get primetime games are cool. I love seeing the Chiefs on primetime, for sure. But you don't get any you don't get any bonus points if you win on primetime. Maybe a couple of your players get to the Pro Bowl if, they, if they're featured on primetime so much. Because... Not every fan will watch all the noon and 315 games, but or three 325 games, rather, or 305, whatever you want to call it. But yeah, sure, maybe they recognize some more players that they may have not noticed before because they watch all the primetime games and they're, they're noticing. Uh, and I'm just 
picking a name out of the blue, Reggie Ragland. Maybe they notice Reggie Ragland a little bit more in these primetime games and how well he's doing, and they are, they're going to vote him in the, into the Pro Bowl. I, I, I just feel like complaining about the NFL schedule really doesn't do a lot. At the end of the day, you can win or lose 16 games here. You don't get a, a bonus win for winning on primetime or, or having it happen at home. And somebody commented on the Facebook page and said, look, if you want to complain about primetime games, then hope for the Chiefs to get the number one seed and they go all the way to the Super Bowl and they get some big primetime games at home in January and February. And I agree with that. I'm more concerned about how are the Chiefs going to overcome being one and done in the playoffs versus how the NFL created their schedule. That's where I'm concerned about the most. And I've had a couple of people, you know, comment below saying this is just people wanting to complain about something because we're in an era where people always want to complain. Look, I don't know, but just please, folks, it's just a schedule. The NFL's never going to intentionally try to favor, favor or screw over another team. That's not how it works. I do want to talk about Kerwin Williams, uh, the running back, former Cardinal, who signed with the Chiefs. And I think a lot of people may remember Kerwin Williams. If you don't, let me help you out here. The first time he touched the football in a regular season game was in his second year in the NFL. That was in 2014. Uh, and that came against the Kansas City Chiefs. He ran for 100 yards. That's the only 100-yard game he's ever had in his NFL career, and that was against the Chiefs. And by the way, you may remember, that was the time for three straight weeks, Kansas City let backup running backs go off on them. Latavius Murray of the Raiders, C.J. Anderson of the Broncos, and Kerwin Williams of the Cardinals. Anderson is the only one who has managed to remain relevant uh, in his NFL career. Actually, just recently got released by Denver, surprisingly. But nonetheless... Kerwin Williams was a free agent and the Chiefs have picked him up. The Chiefs did say last week that Spencer Ware might miss more time than expected. You may remember he tore his ACL in the third preseason game against the Seahawks early in that game. And now we're we're learning a little bit more about the situation and that Spencer Ware might not be available in OTAs or maybe even in training camp. And the Chiefs might need need a backup plan. Because we all thought that Kareem Hunt, Charkandrick West, Spencer Ware, and Akeem Hunt were going to be the four running backs on this football team. Well, the Chiefs signed Damian Williams from the Miami Dolphins earlier this offseason. That was in mid-March. And then they picked up Kerwin Williams just last week. So already you got two running backs. Not great by all means, but guys who have uh, been given a lot of opportunities to start in the NFL. So they can certainly provide depth. And looking at Hunt, West, and Ware, you certainly don't think uh, of this unit needing depth. Maybe they have need a fourth guy, but Akeem Hunt handling kick returns probably is going to help him keep his job in Kansas City unless he just absolutely poorly in, in, in uh, training camp and in the preseason games. But for right now, the Chiefs have brought in two running backs. And by the way, no relation with Kerwin Williams and Damian Williams, but they've brought those two running backs in. And uh, at at this point, you do need a lot of bodies at all positions. Once uh, the draft is over, there are going to be a lot of undrafted free agents who sign. And you're going to see a lot of players at every position real soon. 
Uh, but they're going to trim it down to 53 eventually. And at this point, uh, you're going to need a lot of bodies at OTAs and training camp, especially at that position if Spencer Ware is out and if the Chiefs might be looking for a backup plan here. Maybe there's a possible surprise cut for West or Ware, maybe both. That could take place. I'm not saying that will happen, but I think given that we have been seeing a couple of these running backs get signed and what we know a little bit now about Spencer Ware, that's something that we could expect by the time August comes uh, and by the time the 53-man roster trim takes place. Let's look at the NFL draft that will be taking place this weekend. And I want to look at the NFL Mock Draft Central that's on NFL.com. They've got five analysts on there. Daniel Jeremiah, Bucky Brooks, Charlie Casterly, Maurice Jones-Drew, and Chad Reuter. Uh, all five of them giving their mock drafts. And I'll get into that in just a moment. I do want to talk about this, though. Because quarterbacks are always going to be the household topics for NFL drafts. You know, how many quarterbacks do we have? Where are they all going to go? How are they going to make an impact in their uh, in their careers? And more specifically, whichever team they, they end up going to. Here are the quarterbacks that got drafted in the first round last year. In order, Trubisky, Mahomes, and Deshaun Watson. And then you had Deshaun Kaiser, who was drafted in the second round. In 2018... The projected first-round quarterbacks are Sam Darnold of USC, Josh Allen of Wyoming, Josh Rosen, UCLA, and Baker Mayfield, who a lot of people here are familiar with, being in Big 12 territory from Oklahoma. Then you've got Lamar Jackson from Louisville and Mason Rudolph, who a lot of people around the area are also familiar with, Big 12 guy from Oklahoma State. Uh, Those are considered second-tier quarterbacks in this draft class. Now, there's going to be a lot of talk about Mahomes because, as I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, Mahomes is going to, this is his rookie year, essentially. He played four preseason games plus a fifth game that felt like that had that preseason feel to it. A lot of people are going to compare Mahomes to Watson and Trubisky, Kaiser, assuming he still has a job in Cleveland or somewhere for 2018. And I want to go back to to Deshaun Watson for a moment because I know that was the quarterback nearly everyone wanted in Kansas City. And I think Watson and Mahomes are going to be compared a lot. Uh, Not just this year, but for years to come. Because when the Chiefs traded up, and I still remember watching the broadcast. uh, I can't remember if it was ESPN or NFL Network. But whichever I was watching, I think it was NFL Network. Every single analyst thought that the Chiefs were trading up to get Mahomes. And when Roger Goodell got on the mic and said Patrick Mahomes... Everybody was shocked, wondering what happened. Why did they uh, forego picking Deshaun Watson? And Deshaun Watson had a phenomenal rookie year before he suffered the that injury that sidelined him for, for, from the rest of the year. He was on his way to winning the Rookie of the Year award. He really was. And I think for years to come, we're going to hear a lot about the Mahomes and the Watson comparisons uh, because... When the Chiefs were expected to take Watson after that trade-up, they ended up taking Mahomes. So that's a comparison that will be made quite a lot. And I think people are also going to compare Mahomes to guys like Darnold, Allen, Rosen, and Mayfield because uh, those are guys who most of them are probably, or maybe half of them, are going to play a full season in 2018. So 
comparing that this is their rookie year and this is going to be Mahomes' first full year in the NFL, you're probably going to see a lot of those comparisons as well. So that's definitely something I'm going to keep my eye on. And I think the comparisons may even start before training camp gets underway. And here's why I say that. And I'm sure a lot of you guys already are familiar with this. The Kansas City Royals, despite winning two of their last three games, this has not been a very good season for the Royals. Do you want to know what 8-10 and 6-10 are going to talk about in the summer? They're not going to be talking about that terrible Royals loss because no one's going to stay awake on their way to work listening to that. Radio stations in Kansas City are going to be talking about Patrick Mahomes quite a lot this summer. And all those people who have pretended to be diehard Royals fans since birth, right after they uh, had that World Series run back-to-back years, uh, they're going to go back to being quiet. You know that Homer Simpson gif where he uh, backs away into the bush? That's basically all of those people who pretended like they were hardcore Royals fans. They're, and let me just say one thing. Uh, when I was working at 610, uh, this was in uh, this was during the 2014 season. After the Royals got to the World Series and lost the Game 7, obviously, you know, they were in off-season mode. And for Kansas City, it's all full Chiefs talk now. And anytime we talked about a Chiefs game on a Monday, uh, you know, recapping a game that happened on a Sunday... I swear, the text line lit up and people said, who cares about the Chiefs losing? Let's talk about Royals offseason. That's how badly people did not want to hear about the Chiefs. Now it's going to be the other way around. People don't want. People are not going to want to hear about the Royals losing a terrible game. They're going to want to hear about Patrick Mahomes and what he's going to do in the upcoming season. That's what sports talk radio stations, in case you're going to talk about. That's what the columnists at the Kansas City Star are going to spend more time talking about. The only time the Royals will probably dominate some coverage is if Ned Yost gets fired or Mike Moustakis gets traded by the trade deadline. That's the only time the Royals are really going to get a lot of heavy coverage this summer. And I'm not saying that to be negative. That's going to be the reality. And most people listening are Chiefs fans. So I I think people are going to be okay with that. So Mahomes is going to get a lot of coverage this summer. There are going to be a lot of people previewing him, talking about him, and talking about what could they expect from Mahomes uh, during the summer. A lot of people are going to be talking about that than they are about anything else uh, with sports in Kansas City. And by the way, just about every sports radio host uh, in Kansas City has four-hour shows. Now, not to, not to get too off-topic here, you cannot fill an entire four hours discussing Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs and trying to find something else. And I'll just share this quick story with you. When I was interning at 810 in 2009, uh, I was screening calls, putting people on hold. Uh, with 810, you can you can put up to seven people on hold, seven listeners. 610 only has four people that you can put on hold at once. I remember putting seven people on hold for Royals baseball talk, and when Keatsman went to a commercial, six of them hung up. I promise. I, I, I'm not kidding. Uh, I mean, sports radio stations, and, and I know the 610 has the Royals, but I don't even think they're going to consider that as a factor. They're going to need to find a way to keep their ratings up and to keep some sort of interest for sports fans. Otherwise, people are going to be listening elsewhere. So... Well, that's just something I wanted to share because I know Royals fever was crazy, but it's going to go back to being what it was. Royals are having another terrible season. Let's talk about the Chiefs 
and their upcoming season. That's going to be their narrative in Kansas City this summer with sports talk radio and uh, newspaper uh, columns with the star this summer. I promise you. Let's get into the draft because I know that's going to be a lot of fun to watch. Uh, the, the Chiefs, they're not picking. No. Uh, so it's, it's kind of like when the Chiefs uh, have a primetime game. So you can just watch all the other teams go at it on a Sunday. That's how I feel looking at the first round. Assuming the Chiefs do not trade up. Nor do I expect them to. Unless there's a Pro Bowler they're willing to trade. So looking at the uh, five analysts I mentioned. Uh, Jeremiah Brooks. Casserly. Uh, Jones Drew and Reuter. Uh, Sam Darnold and Saquon Barkley are all favored to go number one to Cleveland. A few mock drafts out there have Josh Allen as the number one guy being taken, uh, but for the most part, it's uh, either Darnold or Barkley, number one. Here's the thing, though. Darnold, Barkley, and Allen, uh, at least with this uh, NFL Mock Draft Central group, these five guys that I mentioned, they all expect those three guys to be gone by the top five. Now, maybe that changes later in the week. We'll see. Everyone's going to be changing their mock drafts quite a lot, especially if a trade takes place before it gets underway this weekend. Now, I did mention one team from the AFC West could be involved in a trade that could shake up the first round of the NFL draft, and that involves the Denver Broncos. The Denver Broncos, they are projected to... Pick fifth, or they're they're going to pick fifth, but there are a couple of people projecting them to trade down, and three of the analysts here are projecting a trade with the Buffalo Bills. That's the heavy favorite. I was listening on uh, Sirius XM NFL Radio, and a couple of uh, their analysts they think that the Denver Broncos are just bluffing, trying to get another team to bite and make a trade there. Uh, when, when that report came out that they're showing interest in a quarterback, uh, but there are a lot of there are a lot of people who think that the Broncos are going to go with a quarterback uh, with that fifth pick. Daniel Jeremiah has it as Josh Allen. Bucky Brooks says it's going to be Josh Rosen, uh, but Casterly, Jones, Drew, and Ruder all are expecting the the uh, Broncos to trade with the Bills. And all three of those guys who are projecting a trade think that a quarterback is going to be taken. Uh, Casserly and Jones-Drew think that the Bills will take Josh Allen. Reuter expects it to be Sam Darnold. Uh, he's actually got Josh Allen going number one to the Browns. And then Saquon Barkley number four to the Browns. So that gives... And if you're wondering what Denver would get in return... Denver is expected to get uh, the 12th and the 22nd pick from the Bills. That is one hell of a deal. If Buffalo really... and Look, this makes sense. If Buffalo is going to trade up with the 5th pick and they're going to trade their two other first-round picks away for that 5th pick, that means they're getting a quarterback. They traded with the Chiefs when they had the 10th pick and the Chiefs took a quarterback. And what do you know? The Bills GM got fired the weekend after the draft. The Bills need to find a way to make up for that because there are some really good quarterbacks in this draft class, and if Denver's entertaining the idea of possibly trading down, then Buffalo might be that team that knocks on the door, steps up, and they'll take either Josh Allen, 
Sam Darnold may be a Rosen if he's if he's available and they think he's definitely worth trading up for. And look, I'm not I'm not gonna put this out of the way. And Ruder actually projected this. He thinks the Colts might take a quarterback in this uh, in this year's draft because there is some uncertainty with Andrew Luck. Yeah, Quentin Nelson's the popular guy, the guard from Notre Dame, but. There's some concerns there with Andrew Luck right now. So, and I, I say that's a slim chance it happens, but hey, we've seen a lot of surprises in the NFL draft. Like I said earlier, just when we think we know what NFL teams are going to do, they pull a fast one on us and they completely surprise us with some of their moves. So, as far as Denver and what the they will do later on in the draft, looking at the well, Casterly, Maurice Jones, Drew, and Ruder think that the Broncos will trade and get the 12th and 22nd picks, uh, making that trade with Buffalo. Casserly says Georgia outside linebacker Raquan Smith will be the 12th pick for the Broncos. Maurice Jones-Drew says it's going to be quarterback Baker Mayfield, still thinking he'll be there out of OU. And Reuter says it'll be quarterback Denzel Ward from Ohio State with the 22nd pick uh, with those three analysts who are projecting a trade Casterly says it's going to be wide receiver uh, Christian Kirk out of Texas A&M. Maurice Jones-Drew thinks Alabama defensive tackle Deron Payne gets picked. And Deron Payne uh, and a couple of other uh, mock drafts from the mock central draft. uh, They have him going to another AFC West team. And I'll I'll let you guys know uh, who projects that and which team. Uh, Reuter thinks it's going to be uh, Texas San Antonio defensive end. Marcus Davenport going to the Broncos. A lot of you guys, by the way, mentioned Josh Jackson and how much you guys like him and you want him in Kansas City. Maurice Jones-Drew has him going ninth overall, and that is to the San Francisco 49ers. Chad Reuter and Daniel Jeremiah do not have him going anywhere in the first round. Which, you know, it's it's always surprising with these mock drafts. You, you see one guy who projects someone to go in the top 10 when a couple others don't even have him going in the first round. That's how crazy and unpredictable the NFL draft really is. I remember a lot of people thought the Chiefs were going to take Geno Smith with the number one pick in 2013. He didn't even end up going in the first round. EJ Manuel was the only quarterback taken in the first round that year. And of course, that was not a very good year to have the number one pick. Not a lot of good players that year, but you get the idea. A lot of uh, surprises come at every mock draft. Josh Jackson, I mean, should he be available in the second round? Boy, I don't know if I would be against the idea of the Chiefs trying to trade up in that second round uh, on Friday to try to to, to snag him, uh, making a trade with another team. Three of the five analysts, as I mentioned, they believe that Denver will make that trade. Uh, regardless if it's the Broncos or the Bills, all five of them have a quarterback going with that fifth pick. All five analysts here have those three QBs, Allen, Rosen, and Darnold, going in the top five. Not all of them agree on the order. That is something worth mentioning with the quarterbacks, as we were talking about earlier. Four of the five analysts project that the Raiders will take either an outside linebacker or an inside linebacker, and all five agree it's going to be on the defensive side. Uh, Raquan Smith, the outside linebacker from Georgia, he's expected to go, uh, or at least uh, from some people, 
uh, some people's mock drafts expected to go there. Or Tremaine Edmonds, the inside linebacker from VT, Virginia Tech, former Hokie, uh, to the Oakland Raiders. Uh, Jeremiah is the only one that's not expecting a linebacker. He thinks safety Minkay Fitzpatrick from Alabama ends up becoming a Raider. Chargers, they're going to be picking 17th overall. Two of them think Florida State safety Derwin James will end up going to the Chargers. Two of them think Alabama defensive tackle Deron Payne. Uh, a couple, one of them thought, thinks uh, the, the Broncos are going to take him with that 22nd pick, but we have a couple of people thinking he'll already be gone by the 17th pick. And one of them says Washington defensive tackle Vita Vey ends up going to Los Angeles. So that's really what, what it looks like with the AFC West. And with the Broncos... If they do make that trade, this does get kind of interesting because here are the next few teams on that list. You've got the Colts, the Bucks, the Bears, the 49ers, Raiders, and Dolphins. I think the only team that would even consider a quarterback might be Indianapolis, the team selecting sixth overall. So if the Broncos do go from fifth to twelfth, the teams picking 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, and 11 are all teams. I'm going to read you their quarterbacks. Number 6, and I put a question mark on this one, Andrew Luck. 7, Jameis Winston. They just picked up his uh, extension, uh, or his option, excuse me, to extend him. Chicago Bears, they just got Trubisky. That was in last year's draft. 49ers, they locked up Jimmy Garoppolo for a long time. The Raiders last year gave Derek Carr the richest contract ever. And the Dolphins are hoping Ryan Tannehill will return and do well in 2018. So by the time the Broncos pick 12th overall, maybe they'll have a quarterback available and it could be Baker Mayfield. And that is what Maurice Jones-Drew is expecting for them to take Mayfield. Uh, One of them, uh, Casterly, thinks it's going to be Raquan Smith and then Reuter expects it to be uh, quarterback Dunzel Ward, as I mentioned earlier. Here's the other thing to keep in mind, though. I mean, just because the Broncos go from 5 to 12 doesn't mean no other team is going to trade between 6 and 11. Listen, if the Broncos do drop down to 12th, hoping for Baker Mayfield to land, I mean, you you know, and listen, I'm sure the Broncos know this, too. You can definitely expect other teams out there that are in need of a quarterback to, I mean, maybe a team like the Cardinals or the Ravens. Reuter has the Cardinals taking Lamar Jackson, who could go in the first, maybe the second. The quarterback out of Louisville. Bucky Brooks has him going one pick later to the Ravens. You you can put money down that those guys are going to call up all those teams from 6 to 11 and try to see if they can make a trade and get ahead of Denver. So that's another thing to consider with the Broncos. Because And I said earlier, the Broncos trading could really shake up the draft. And that involves teams like the Cardinals and the Ravens that might be looking for a quarterback. And maybe they don't want to settle with Lamar Jackson. Maybe they prefer to get a guy like Baker Mayfield and, and try to move up ahead of Denver. Arizona's picking 15th, Baltimore's picking 16th, so if they want to pick before that, they would have to 
look at one of those teams six through eleven, and you can definitely put money down that, that they'll they'll try to do that if Denver makes that trade with the Bills. And here's the 2018 NFL Draft in a nutshell. The storylines to look forward to this weekend. What will Cleveland do with number one and number four overall? Are they going to keep them? And if they do, can they get some franchise players and turn that franchise around? Or will they trade down and try to stockpile and get more picks? The other storyline, Denver. What are they going to do? Are they going to make that trade with the Bills? And will that trigger the Ravens, and the Cardinals to try to make a move before the 12th pick. Those are the two storylines that I'm looking forward to this weekend. And after the first five picks are out of the way, we'll have those questions answered. Because by then, we'll know if the Browns use those two picks uh, to to keep them or trade them. And we'll know uh, after the fifth pick if it's the Broncos or if it's going to be another team, the favor favorable team seems to be the Buffalo Bills who are also looking for a quarterback so uh, you know if you're Denver you're wanting a big price because Denver wants a quarterback but if another team wants the the quarterback out there that they want you you know that John L is going to ask for a big price and he's not going to make it easy for other teams so that's what you can look forward to this weekend during the draft I'll definitely be live tweeting and I'll be uh, talking on Facebook as well, facebook.com slash Farzine Vesugian. Like and follow me on Facebook. Follow me on Twitter as well, at Farzine21 on Twitter. Time to wrap up the show. Let's go around the NFL. Former football coach Jim Mora, he did an interview and he praised Josh Rosen as a potential Hall of Famer. Now look, I know we're going to make our quarterback comparisons and say someone might look like Tom Brady, Alex Smith, Ben Roethlisberger. I mean, you'll see all kinds of comparisons be made when you see these mock drafts and these uh, player evaluations. And rightfully so. I think that's what fans love to see. They love to see these. They want to know who a lot of people think is the next Tom Brady or the next Ben Roethlisberger or whoever out there. When you look at those skill sets, uh, you know, size of their bodies, a lot of people try to make those comparisons to help fans understand, uh, you know, who, who these guys could have a similar career to, or they might play like. But to say someone's going to be a Hall of Famer, I do think that is that is a stretch. And look, I'm not saying that puts pressure on Josh Rosen. Maybe he likes to hear that. Maybe maybe it does. Maybe he feels like there's pressure on him. I don't know. Not that he he would admit it publicly. But at the end of the day, you know, how do you really know how someone's going to pan out? Listen, I remember, and I was part of this too, a lot of people wanted Andrew Luck on their football team. Look at Andrew Luck. Nobody wants Andrew Luck on their football team right now, given his current situation with all the injuries he's dealing with. I'm not saying he can't come back and do great and win a championship. No, not at all. He's certainly capable of that. But at the current time being, it doesn't feel like it's worth Having to go through all this with him, missing more than a year of football uh, because of uh, the injuries that he's been dealing with. And that's a very tough thing to overcome. Again, I'm not saying he can't come back and do well, uh, but, but to see him out of action for a long time, it does put some doubt in a lot of people's minds as to how he'll do coming back and how long it would take him to start playing in Pro Bowl form once again. 
Speaking of Pro Bowlers, two Pro Bowlers are expected to play for the Patriots this year. Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski. Uh, Tom Brady, all of a sudden, lately, there's some rumored drama with him. I, I know late last year, there was all the the reported drama between Brady, Belichick, and the Kraft family. And the Patriots came out with a joint statement saying that basically it was a lot of bull. Uh, but Tom Brady, I mean, he's on vacation right now, if you see his social media posts. I mean, I don't know what... Sure, these are voluntary and all, but I expect Tom Brady to be there soon. Listen, Tom Brady owes the Patriots a lot with what he's done for them, and the Patriots owe him a lot. There is that mutual respect. If Brady was not going to play this year, he would have let the Patriots know about that by now. Rob Gronkowski, on the other hand, look, there's a new report every day about what's going on with Rob Gronkowski. One day he is set to play, one day he could seriously consider retirement, and, and all of a sudden... Uh, there was a report over the weekend that he was in uh, the Boston area, but then he said uh, to somebody in an interview that he is not going to participate in uh, OTAs this year. And here is a report from Pro Football Talk that he is expected to play for the Patriots this year when there was that weekend talk that maybe he would have played. I don't know what's going on with Rob Gronkowski, but here's the thing. If there are a lot of reports that are continuing to say that he seriously might consider retirement, I think that's something that's seriously worth looking into. You would expect that kind of rumor for Tom Brady, who's of course a much bigger name than Gronkowski. I get Gronkowski's the bigger diva and does more out there with the public eye. Uh, but man, and, and, and I think Gronk's to blame for that because he tries to build this superstar public stature for himself. Now he finds himself rumored to seriously consider retirement or go to the WWE, whatever it is going on with him with Hollywood and all these crazy things. Uh, That's on him. I think he let that rumor get to this point and it's up to him to squash that and do something about it. He can say one thing, but then there are going to be all these other quote-unquote sources that could come out and say otherwise. It's not a good position to be in. Especially when it comes to your NFL career and those... Not saying the Patriots are going to take a debt from distractions. Because they've been involved in so many distractions over the years. And look where that's gotten them. Speaking of going out and and where things have gotten them. Look at Tom Brady and the the Patriots. They won. They came back against the Falcons without Gronkowski to win the Super Bowl. So even even if Gronk retires, the Patriots are going to be fine. I guarantee you there are going to be people out there, if Gronk does retire, and I kind of hope this happens just so I can see this narrative and bring it back up later, but if Gronk retires, I guarantee you there is going there are going to be a lot of people who will say Gronk is going to screw over the Patriots and the Patriots are not going to be able to succeed. Folks, as long as they have Tom Brady, the Patriots are going to be just fine. Let's go out of bounds. This one is still kind of involving the NFL, but it could involve other leagues as well. So Bleacher Report did something interesting on April 20th, which is commonly referred to as 420 for National Weed Day. And they had a very interesting feature where they spoke to a lot of former athletes and former Chiefs defensive tackle Sean Smith 
was one of them featured. If you remember, Sean Smith was uh, accused of grabbing the junk of a couple of offensive linemen in the middle of a pile uh, in 2010. Yeah, that's Sean Smith right there. So, Sean Smith was actually featured in this supporting cannabis. Now, look, I, I don't want to make this a debate about about marijuana and what, you know, whether it should be allowed, uh, whether it should be legalized. I, I, look, I, I, I truly do not know a lot about th- th- those kinds of things, and I don't. I know Joe Rogan, he's a huge advocate of that. Uh, some people are, some people prefer not to. Me, personally, I really don't care. But here's what I will say. I think we actually kind of should care. Here's why. The NFL CBA is going to be up. And I guarantee you, a lot of players are going to want this legalized. Sean Smith actually had admitted that his pregame routine included two blunts. Which I'm sure the league will be very surprised to hear about this. As far as... Other leagues, I'm sure this is going to be wanted in the NBA. Look at uh, the UFC. There have been fighters who have gotten in trouble for banned substances, marijuana being one of them. Uh, Nate Diaz is well known for uh, you know using cannabis when he's not in competition. In fact, there was a rule that was placed last year where UFC fighters can uh, can smoke weed as long as it's before the 24 hours before their fight and if it happens after the 24 win, uh, 24 hour window after their fight so as long as they're not within the 24 hour window before and after their fight they're allowed to use it and they do a lot of drug testing for those who follow MMA you guys are familiar with that but that's going to be very interesting how other athletes will look at uh, this story what they're going to think of it and if their uh, players association is going to try to fight for this whenever their next uh, CBA is up. So that's going to be something interesting that I think a lot of people need to look forward to because that is something that a lot of people are trying to... I mean, a lot of people have some passionate opinions about that. I understand. Uh, But man, there are some some athletes out there who, who definitely will want a change in this. Probably a lot more than we think. Who knows? And I think that's a story worth following. Former NFL player, by the way, Greg Hardy, you guys remember him? Former Cowboy got in some trouble before he was let go and no longer was able to play in the NFL. No other teams wanted him. He is set to make his UFC debut on a show called Dana White's Tuesday Night Contender Series. They did this last year where basically a lot of fighters from smaller markets, uh, fighters that fight regionally basically, outside of the UFC, they had an opportunity to fight for a UFC contract on the Tuesday Night Contender Series, which was a weekly show. And uh, there was actually one fighter from Kansas City who fought, impressed Dana White. He won and ended up getting a contract. And I think Greg Hardy will end up getting a contract simply because of his name and the attention he could bring. Look at CM Punk, former WWE champion who they have signed. Uh, he was on their pay-per-view portion when he had never fought in MMA before and got squashed by Mickey Gall. Now he's going to be fighting a guy by the name of Mike Jackson who no one's heard of, and that's going to be on pay-per-view in June. CM Punk versus Michael Jackson, not the singer, the fighter. That's not a pay-per-view worthy card, but people are going to buy it because there are a lot of huge CM Punk fans out there. And I think Greg Hardy's going to be the next... And I know Greg Hardy's not a big name from the NFL, but still a fairly notable name 
and I think he can definitely bring some NFL fans over to MMA, uh, assuming he does get picked up by the UFC. Final story I do want to talk about, Aaron Rodgers. Uh, it came out uh, over the weekend that he is now part owner of the Milwaukee Bucks. Of course, plays for the Green Bay Packers. Milwaukee, just right around the corner there in Wisconsin. And there was that complaint. We talked about this last podcast with Aaron Rodgers being upset that he wasn't involved in some discussion about Jordy Nelson's future with the Packers. Listen, uh, if you really want to have those kind of discussions, well, put some money down and be a part owner. Now, I don't know if active players can do that for their own team uh, because of conflict of interest, but he doesn't play in the NBA, so he's certainly allowed to do that. Look, if you really want to have a hand in certain decisions like that, well, then put some money down and be a part owner, and now he is with the Bucks. Uh, and and I look, I don't know exactly what led to his frustrations and him denying those kinds of reports. But, hey, I will say this uh, on the other side of it, too. Good for Aaron Rodgers for investing his money and doing something because that's a pretty big deal right there. I know Rodgers isn't the most well-liked guy out there, but he is. it's not like he gets into trouble often. And he's a fairly smart guy, and he's using his money for something very big for for himself and his, his family, assuming the ones he still keeps in touch with. And, uh, you know, a family of his own. I don't know if he has any kids or whatnot. I don't follow players personally. I don't know if I've ever mentioned that before. Some players I'll, I'll know about their personal lives. Some I don't really care to know. Uh, but that, that, that'll that be a good thing for Aaron Rodgers to have uh, once his career is over with. And I think more players are going to look at that and try to uh, try to plan for this kind of thing in the future and try to use their money in a smart manner. Not necessarily be a part owner but do something to invest and make their millions of dollars grow once they are done playing football or whatever sport they are in. Final segment of the show, let's throw some penalty flags. So, Jay Feely is in a lot of trouble. Jay Feely, who was briefly with the Chiefs, he uh, is a current uh, broadcaster for CBS, former kicker in the NFL. Uh, he was cut in 24 hours. He signed with the Chiefs, and then in a three-way kicking competition in practice, Feely did the worst, and the Chiefs let him go 24 hours after signing him. But anyway, he uh, he posted a photo on social media with his daughter and his daughter's prom date. The caption says, Wishing my beautiful daughter and her date a great time at prom. Hashtag bad boys, and he's holding a gun uh, below his waist right next to uh, uh, his daughter's date. This sparked a lot of reaction. Uh, and now, I, th- I think I think this is all a joke with everyone involved. The daughter was kind of making that funny smirk, like, okay, really, dad? And the kid was also smirking along with the, with the photo. Uh, I think uh, a lot of people, I mean, they, they maybe took it the wrong way thinking the kid was forced to take that picture? I don't know. I'm not exactly sure. But uh, this sparked a lot of debate. We know that in the United States right now, there's a serious topic about gun control, and and that's not something I'm going to get into. Uh, But what I do want to say is, I guess, you know, with the sensitivity of our country, and I'm not saying Jay Fielder did anything bad. I'm sure everyone was was in on this joke. A lot of people think the kid is the victim here. Uh, But during a time like this where... Uh, you you know anything small like that 
during uh, this time period, it'll be picked up. It'll be it'll it'll go viral like crazy, and that's what ended up happening with Jay Feely. And he actually did come out apologizing. I don't think he had to necessarily. Uh, but listen, uh, I've talked about social media on this podcast before. It's a very dangerous thing if it's used in a bad way. And I'm not saying Feely meant any harm, but uh, I think he tried to make a joke that he didn't mean to come off like this. And look what happened. Uh, th- listen, I, there are plenty of jokes I could make on here, but I know... And I always try to think twice when when certain posting certain things, you know, anything sarcastic I post on the page, just just to kind of lighten the mood sometimes, especially during a, a bad game for a, or a bad season, which we've had some of those over the years. But uh, people have got to be careful with what jokes they post on social media because if you're a big figure and you post a joke like that, uh, boy, it can go the wrong. Even if you don't have a lot of followers, if you make a joke like. Um, I forgot which NFL player this was. I think it was uh, Julian Edelman, who's someone who commented on his Instagram saying they were gonna he was gonna shoot up shoot up a school, and that quickly got picked up. Police went to his house and tried to figure things out. Uh, you've always got to be careful with what jokes you'll make on social media, because if if it's something that's pretty serious and that needs to be looked into, everyone's gonna make a big deal about it. And I think Jay Feely should have known that. Even though everyone was in on his joke, not everyone from the outside would have viewed it that way. That is something you've got to be careful with on social media. Final one for me. I'm sure a lot of you guys saw this. Uh, military officers are punished after a guardsman appeared to re-enlist using a dinosaur puppet. Uh, this is a photo that went viral on social media over the weekend. Uh, an airman in Tennessee, in the Tennessee National Guard... Uh, has been removed from her position when she was facing administrators um, in her re-enlistment under oath. She had a dinosaur puppet in her right hand. And I don't know what made her think this was a good idea or or, or what others thought this was a good idea to continue to move on with with the occasion, but... Uh, especially a moment like that where it's, it's, it's a pretty serious thing. It's a big deal. And to have something in your right hand, a puppet, uh, and I don't know what the dinosaur, what, what that is, what the, what the, uh, significance behind that is, but, but, uh, I don't think it matters a whole lot because, uh, military officers have been punished for this, uh, after a guardsman appeared to do that. And I, I think in a case like that, again, similar to what we said with the Jay Feely thing, you might think you and your group of friends might think something's funny and it's a great joke and all, but other people looking on the outside, they're going to look at that and, and, and think it's inappropriate or, or, or the joke at that time and place is, 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 is not well done. The timing of it's bad. And I think people have got to be very careful with that because I know we're in an era. And again, with both stories, we're in a, we're in a time where people will blow things out of proportion um, and I, I understand some people might be sensitive than others. People might think that's silly to take offense over certain things, but that's just, unfortunately, the, the era we're in right now where not everyone's the same. People are going to take things differently. Not everything's going to be viewed as a joke. And I agree, some things, sure, you can make joke of uh, and make light of, but there are other things out there that uh, I, I think you need to stay away from and not not step over the line. And again, like I said, I, I, these two people who we talked about in this segment, I don't think they meant anything bad, but they probably didn't, didn't think what the public reaction would have been 
or if they, they thought something like this would have become as big as it is now. You've always got to be careful. No matter who you are or how big of a following you have, everyone's got to be careful with what they post on social media because you never know if it could turn into a big deal. That'll do it for this episode of the Chiefs Zone Podcast. My name is Farzim Misugin. Hope you guys enjoyed this episode. A lot to go over here on this episode with the NFL Draft, the Chiefs running max. We also went back, talked about the schedule a little bit. I responded to some of those who were upset with my comments, so I talked about that. Let me know your guys' thoughts on everything you you heard on this episode. Facebook.com slash Farzim Misugin. Like and follow me on Facebook. Follow me on Twitter at Farzim21. You guys can also email me, Farzine at FarzineVesugian.com. You guys can interact with me on social media during the draft. I'll definitely be active on Thursday. Uh, I'll be at the Royals game on Friday, but I'll definitely be watching on my uh, on my phone on the DirecTV app. So I'll definitely be watching on that, and I'll be interacting with you guys. So let's talk about it over the weekend. Again, Facebook.com slash FarzineVesugian. Twitter.com slash Farzine21. Follow me on Facebook and Twitter, and we'll talk about the draft. And we will be back on Sunday to recap the Chiefs draft. Enjoy your weekend. Enjoy the draft. Talk to you on Sunday.